Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Muma, and you're locked into Moving Up the Ladder here on localjobnetwork.com radio. As always, this podcast looks to examine some issues within the employment spectrum, looking to give you some tools that you may succeed. Today, we're looking at what it takes to be a true leader, particularly the traits that are essential to lead. On the show, to clue us in, we have Brad Lomanek, president of Catalyst, where leadership has been the topic of focus since its inception in 1999. Brad is also the author of The Catalyst Leader, where you can get even more insight into rising up to be that leader everyone is looking to be. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm good, Tim. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I think it's a great topic, um, something that people bring up all the time. And of course, everything you and your organization does, I think, fits right in. So with that in mind, fill us in a little bit. Describe your experience, especially as we can relate it to leadership and also the work that you uh, you do with Catalyst. Yeah. Um, well, the really quick background on me, I went to school at University of Oklahoma. So I'm a Sooner, Boomer Sooner, <laughs> and uh, moved out to the middle of Colorado just after college and worked on a guest ranch. Uh, riding horses and being a, a ranch foreman for five years, and then ended up in the consulting world doing management consulting and working with a lot of uh, small businesses as well as uh, larger nonprofits and um, a lot of family-held businesses, helping with change management, um, helping with succession planning. And then uh, one of my clients during that period was an organization that John Maxwell had started, which many of your listeners will uh, recognize John's name. He's, you know, one of the preeminent authors in the last 25 years on leadership. Sure. And um, at the time, this was uh, 1999, as you had mentioned, uh, we were thinking about starting this uh, this new division of John's organization called Catalyst and really focusing in on the next generation, mm-hmm. younger leaders, 20-somethings, 30-somethings. And uh, so as, as many times happens, you know, the consultant turns into the employee and Started being a uh, an employee of John's in the early 2000s, and then around 2003 took over running Catalyst. For the last 11 years, I've been doing that, and really, what we do is we we put together high end experiential leadership conferences, and we do that for younger leaders primarily with Catalyst. And then we have another uh, division called LeaderCast, which does a large simulcast event that's uh, more for the corporate arena. And so we, you know, we really feel like our job and our role and, and our calling is to equip and inspire and release leaders. And um, we've, you know, we gathered uh, probably between all of our events the last 15 years, you know, over a million leaders and have a lot of uh, speakers who come in that everyone would recognize. And again, try to just trying to help leaders navigate the lifestyle and the sense of what does it look like to really be effective as leaders? Because so many of us end up in that role and then we're going, man, I'm not really sure how to do this. Right. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of organizations out there like that. And, and we're one of them. So, well, and of course, you know, your experience and what everything you guys have been doing uh, fits right into what we're talking about. And you brought up that people might think, well, I don't know if I'm right for this. I don't know how to do this. And that's a question people bring to us all the time. Well, what does it mean to be a leader? What is, how do you define that? So for yourself, what's the definition of a true leader? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big question. And yeah. I think, um, <laughs> part, yeah, Part of, part of what I try to do with, with this book, Tim, The Catalyst Leader, is, um, you know, the subtitle is Eight Essentials for Becoming a Changemaker. And um, these eight essentials, I don't think they're the only essentials. Um, you know, part of what happens in a book is you try to, you, you try to pare something down to where it's digestible and, and it works together. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, though, these, these eight are, they are essential and that when, when lived out, um, I think they will, 
hopefully make up as much as you can of a true leader. And I would say, you know, the first thing is leaders are influencers and influencers are leaders. You know, that when you, when you think about the definition of leadership, John Maxwell taught me this a long time ago, leadership is influence. And so many times we think of leadership as title or position or authority or uh, a certain role in an organization or, you know, you, you've moved up the ladder and leadership is just influence. Mm-hmm. So everyone's a leader. Everyone who is a father, mother, teacher, coach, neighbor, part of a community, uh, working in an organization, you know, we all have leadership. We're all, we're all given that leadership quality because we're in a role where we can influence others. So that, I think that's where it starts. Um, you know, what we've tried to define with this book is saying that the, ch- the word change maker and this idea of a catalyst, I think is, is a really, I think a new expression of, of a leader and that sense of a catalyst is some, is someone or something that, that creates a spark, it creates a change, but it leaves no residue of itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a, from a scientific perspective, that's what a catalyst is. And I like that idea. I like, I like the idea of a leader or, a, you know, the, the best definition of a leader being someone who does great things that make a huge difference. They have an impact. They're, they're making uh, change. They're having significance on people around them, but it's not about them. Uh, it ends up being about what's happening to others around them and, and that idea of leaving no residue of themselves. So I, I like that this sense of influencer, change maker, catalyst is, is kind of where I would go. But ultimately, the eight essentials, I hope, are, are what defines a true leader. When it comes to the maybe the personality or style of an individual, I mean, how much does that matter? Is there, does there need to be a certain, I don't know, aura or persona about somebody that allows them to step into the role. As you said, we can all be leaders. We all have the opportunity, but how do you know it, where to go with that? Or how do you act? How do you, how do you speak? I mean, what would be your advice when it comes to that aspect of it? Well, there, I mean, I think in the past, there was always that sense when you thought of a leader, you, especially in the corporate world, you probably thought of somebody who was pretty buttoned up. Uh, they were probably wearing a suit. They were, you know, they're, they're serious. They're pensive. They're, uh, they're hard to be around maybe. And, and I think all that's changing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would say that the ultimate expression of a leader today, um, and this is true for anyone, but especially for leaders is authenticity. That, that idea that you're, you're true to who you are. And the, the, there's too many of us, way too many of us, um, that are trying to be false versions of ourselves because we watch someone else. We we're trying to model somebody else that we work, we work around or, that's, that's led us. And I think there's always good that you can take from people that have mentored you or that you've worked for for a long time. But ultimately I think the best way to, to create a persona for yourself is to just be you, mm-hmm. you know, be yourself. There is way too many times in organizations that, you know, we've all served on teams and been part of teams where we, we looked at the leader of the team and thought, you know what, you're, we all know that you're faking it right now. Mm-hmm. We, we all know that, you're not very good at this or that this is a weakness of yours or that, or that you're, you're really, you know, you really do fly off the handle when something goes wrong or when there's moments of tension, you're not the easiest to be around. And, and so many times if that leader would just, would just be open with that weakness and be vulnerable and be real and say, Hey guys, listen, you know, you know me really well and you already know this about me, but I just want you to know that you have permission to call me out on that or to, to, you know, make sure that I'm not, I'm not leading you in that way. You know, all of a sudden it gets permission to teams to go, wow, okay, well, man, they, they understand who they are. They have a really great sense and they grasp 
the true version of themselves. And um, I, I just think authenticity today, especially, is the way that we create the persona for ourselves. Um, that it's huge, and we see it all the time. You know, we see it in politics, we see it in in sports a lot, we see it in the in the celebrity culture, where folks are just living out of this fake persona, mm-hmm. and uh, it's enough already. With social media, you're going to get found out. Um, there's there's way too many ways today where you know the the the, the real you is going to get discovered. So you might as well just just go ahead and and start there anyway. Do you really see a change happening with that? I, I, I look around again. You said you read things, you 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 hear about them that there is still a lot of acting going on or trying to reach this supposed ideal of what that leader might be. And as you say, it's it's not authentic. I almost feel like people are afraid to do that because, well, it hasn't worked for other people. Why don't it work for me? So, I mean, what could you put out there to say, look, we have to make this change. This is how it's really going to work. I and mean, where do you start to ha- maybe have that groundswell a little bit? Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's still pockets where this is not happening and, and folks are living in fear. Um, I mean, so many corporate environments, especially lar- larger organizations, a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're so scared to make a, make a decision. You're so scared to really be you. You're, you're scared to um, live out of your personality because you're afraid you're going to get in trouble. Like, you know, you're going to the principal's office or it feels like school. And um, I think, you know, when you, when you look at the landscape today, especially with, with younger leaders, with the millennial generation, with 20 somethings, a lot of them are just not willing to stand for that. Um, and I, and I think things are changing, although it might change slow. There is a new wave that says, Hey, first of all, I'm going to come in and I'm going to sort of demand that I, I be myself when I show up in this, in this, in this environment. And, you know, one example of that, I think that's, it's not, it's not overly important, but I think it's a good, it's a good sense of that is that you've watched companies over the last 20 years, um, get rid of a lot of, of uh, dress codes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's about the dress code as much as it is saying, Hey, you know what we want to, we want for you to be able to express who you are. And if you like wearing, you know, skinny jeans and tennis shoes and a t-shirt into the office, because that's the best way you're going to get a job done, then we're okay with that. Right. Um, we don't have to all wear, you know, this outfit or this uh, sense of uniform that we used to. And that's a small example. You know, a, a lot of young leaders, the reason I think you're seeing so many startups and you're seeing so many young leaders start their own organizations and, and, and be willing to step out and take a risk is because of the fact that they look at a larger, again, many times a larger corporate environment, and they say, I'm not willing to put up with that. I don't feel like I can be myself in that environment. I'm not being given opportunities, so I'm just going to go do my own thing. And um, a lot of those kind of organizations, when you walk inside of them, you I mean, one of the things I think you always see is you see a sense of authenticity. You, you see that sense of we are who we are. We know what we do well. Um, we're going to allow our teams to express who they are really well, and, um, and they're going to lead out of that. And, you know, so I, I think it's changing. I really do. I think there is a, a wave of authenticity that's, that's taking over, especially the, the, the corporate realm. Sure. Um, you know, the non, nonprofit realm, I think, is still maybe lagging a little bit behind. But um, I, think it's, I think the corporate arena is, is leading the charge on this. Another aspect of, you know, getting back to the idea of leadership and, and maybe what it takes and what's going to be effective. Uh, I remember reading you touching on the idea of principles and having certain principles as a leader. What sort of things would you be referring to there and how exactly does that play into how effective someone is being that leader? Yeah, one of the, um, one of the eight essentials we, we talk about in the book 
is this, the idea that the essential of being principled, and it's made up of three things. One is integrity, one is humility, and one is discipline. And I would say, again, for me, and, and thinking about this book and putting those putting those thoughts down, that's the way it broke out. And um, integrity is, you know, you are who you are, and you're willing to be honest. You know, what you see is what you get. You're the person who, again, is is whole. Like the the definition of integrity is somebody who's whole. There's, there's, um, there's no sense that, that, uh, you're trying to cut corners. You know, you just, you, you lead with that humility. We all know what that is and we all know how important it is in an organization and as a leader in that sense that it's not about you. Hmm. you know, it's, it's about others. And you start with that, that sense that this is ultimately not about me. And, and then the idea of discipline is, is I think one of the hardest things for the next generation to grasp at this point. And we see so many young 20-somethings today who are not disciplined in the way they're approaching their work life, their work ethic, their, their willingness to go out and find a job, you know, like all these things. And that's, that's a little bit stereotypical, but there, there is a move away from, from the idea of being disciplined as an employee and that, hey, you know what, if I'm told I need to be on time and, and I need to be in at 8 o'clock and I need to leave at 5, then I, that's what I do, you know, or if, that, that I think that's a lost art mm-hmm. um, for some of us, especially today. So those are the three that, that I would say make up the idea of being a principled leader. I find that idea of the discipline fascinating because I, I agree with you on the point that some of that might be lost on whether it be the younger generations or however you want to phrase it. But at the same time, we are talking about being a leader and, and maybe being a little looser with things and allowing people to be themselves or, or work on their own time frame. From your experience, your perspective, how do you really find that balance of, okay, here are strict lines that we're sticking by versus you have some wiggle room here. You can have some flexibility. Where do you, where do you go with that? How do you start? Yeah, well, like for our team, for example, you know, we've got a lot of 20-somethings on our team at Catalyst. And my two words that I use hand in hand is flexibility and accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't have a flexible environment and the work environment and office hours and, you know, schedules without this sense of accountability as the, as the foundation for that. But you, you don't want to necessarily have only a strict environment of accountability with no flexibility because so many people are walking in today going, Hey, I would love to come in at nine 30 and leave at seven 30, you know, or I've got kids, young kids at home and um, they don't go to school till, till 10. And so I would love to, you know, be able to come in then and then, uh, go pick them up from school and then work at night. Okay, great. You know, like we'll, we'll work with you on that. However, there are some pieces that are in place of accountability that will drive effectiveness and they'll drive measurements and they'll drive a sense that here's a standard we're setting. Right. And if you can't hit that, if you can't hit that, then it's not going to work. And you know, the other thing I think so many leaders end up doing, which is a mistake is they want to rule first with a heavy fist um, which I just don't think works anymore. And second, they want to rule with, well, all all rules apply to everyone. Mm-hmm. And there's no one on the team that can have a customized sense of, of their work life. And that's, a, that's another bad decision. You know, people today are looking for environments where they can be a part, where they feel like that, first of all, the leader knows who they are. And secondly, that they can create their own environment. And um, again, you can't have flexibility, though, without accountability. Sure. You have to put both of those together and you don't want to just make up rules and then say, well, this is the way it is. 
you know, it's like when you have kids, you, you don't rule your kids or you don't parent your children the same. You, you have different kids. You know, you, three of your kids are all different, different personalities. So the same rules that apply to the, your first child may not apply to the third. And I think that's something we need to take into the corporate environment way more in that sense that we're going to customize the way that we create schedules and, and accountability for each person on the team. No, I think that's well put. And, uh, you know, giving, giving some of those out there, people who do have kids, I think that's a nice illustration as well, just to compare it to something that might be on a more personal level. So I do appreciate you uh, bringing that together. Another area that leadership, it seems like people might struggle with, or um, maybe they're just unsure of taking the lead on something. It comes down to decision-making and, you know, being that one to have to make a tough call on personnel or a project, or, you know, of course, money is always a consideration. What do you offer up as advice in terms of that part of being a leader and, and what it takes to be a strong decision maker and, and how you can improve upon it if it is an area of weakness? Well, yeah, that's a great question. And, I, and you're right. It is an area that a lot of people struggle with. The best leaders are the ones who make decisions constantly and quickly. You know, that's another, another thing mm-hmm. is the people on your team want you to make a decision and they want you to make it fast. Now, that doesn't mean that you rush it and you don't put due diligence in and, and uh, but it does mean this, that you don't allow for a decision to set and set and set and set, which paralyzes your organization. And it, it creates cynicism with your team, with your with your organization. People start to think, you know what, that this person is not able to make a decision. And all they're going to do is they're going to come back to us and, and look for um, a sense of, of, you know, the, well, is it 60-40 now? So I can finally say yes, you know, and right. that's not what your team wants. They want you to make a decision to make it now. And so many organizations live in a state, we've heard this before, you know, the, the paralysis of analysis. Like they live in a, a constant state of, well, we need to do more research on that or we need to, you know, we need to drive that down further into the, the R&D side of our organization or we've got to get more um, stats on that. And at some point, you've got to make a decision. Um, I think so many of us, the reason we, you mentioned this, Tim, the reason we don't make decisions is because we're scared. Hmm. Um, especially if you don't see yourself as the team leader, um, as the, you know, the vice president of this division or the CEO or the president or the manager, if you're in the, or if you're part of the team and you're, you're, um, you're swimming in that sense that you're leading from the middle of the organization, a lot of times the best decisions come from you sure, because you're the, you're the closest to the problem. You know, when you get far away from the problem, which many times is the person farthest or the, the, the person at the top of the organization, you're the furthest away, so you don't have the same information that somebody does that's close to the issue. And those are the people who need to, who actually need to make the decision. But so many of us live in fear because, well, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to, you know, not get a promotion? And um, I think it's up to leaders, again, of organizations to create an environment that says, hey, we're starting with the sense that that we want you to be in the organization and have courage. And if you see something that needs to change or you see something we need to deal with or you see an issue that needs to be addressed, then you have full freedom and you have that sense of responsibility put on your shoulders that you can make that decision without any repercussion, without any sense that it's going to, you know, it's going to affect you long term other than for good. And I think the great organizations you see out there, especially the ones that are innovative, the ones that are making huge strides, big leaps, are the ones that drive that sense of, of, you know what, in some ways we reward decisions that are made in the face of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't reward failure for failure's sake because that's not, that's not creating a good standard. 
but we do reward failure if it's trying to push the envelope and it's trying to, you know, maybe make a decision that seemed like it was, it, it took a lot of courage. So I, I think it's where you can find those places to, um, to drive that into your, into your organization, you're going to allow for people to start to look at decision-making as something that they're supposed to do, not just something that, well, if all else fails and everything else is, you know, if we if you settle this for so long, we're finally going to have to do something. And that's just not an organization a lot of us want to be a part of. I, I feel like you're spot on with that in terms of uh, making those decisions. And as you, as you mentioned, a little bit of fear, especially on, on individuals who um, aren't at the top of the food chain, so to speak. But, um, but as you said, if you're going to be a true leader, no matter what position you're in, uh, making those decisions are going to be important for you. So I, I appreciate that aspect of it. You know, uh, time has quickly caught up with us, but I did want to give you the floor here at the end, as we do with all of our guests, to um, just kind of give our listeners a takeaway from our conversation. Any last pieces of advice or any points that you'd really want to hammer home that they can take away from our uh, discussion today? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you think about, again, going back to what's a true leader, you know, leaders invent the future. Um, leaders are, are forward-looking. Leaders bring certainty to uncertainty. There's a sense of the leader's job description is, is in place and secure because they bring certainty to uncertainty. You know, they bring clarity to, to environments or places where there's a lack of clarity. And uh, leaders change an organization. You know, we have to have leaders. The great coaches out there, the ones we watched in the Super Bowl's coming up, you've got leaders on teams that are showing up to these games that are winning. And so I can't ever underestimate the power and the, the, the sense of, of responsibility a leader has and the way that leaders can make a difference. So if you're in that place where you're thinking, man, I'm not sure I'm a leader and uh, I don't know if I want to be a leader, I would say step up, you know, and, and, and just start leading. The best way to, to become a leader is to start today and just say, you know what, I am one. I'm going to lead out of who I am and, and I want to make a difference. So that would be my last words of advice. Sounds good to me. Unfortunately, we are going to have to close out this episode of Moving Up the Ladder. We have been speaking with Brad Lomanick, president of Catalyst, and you can find their site at catalystconference.com. You want to check out more about what they do and their visions on leadership as well. As I mentioned earlier, you can also find Brad's book, The Catalyst Leader, and that will give you even more direction if you're looking into the idea of stepping up, as Brad has mentioned here today. Brad, thanks again once again for, you know, for coming on the show, sharing your thoughts. Uh, we always appreciate some insight and uh, giving our listeners a little bit of a takeaway from this conversation. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Appreciate it, man. Of course, we also want to hear from you, the listener, as well. If you have any thoughts on future topics that you'd like us to cover on LJN Radio, just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.